I want to share a little word with you tonight. It's from the book of Joshua. And we're going we're gonna to go through this and we're going to get right back into worship. And we're going to have a baptism tonight. We've got about 10 or 11 people that are getting baptized tonight. Praise God. So it's going to be a good night. We're not done yet. But I want to share just a little word with you. And it's from the book of Joshua. And Joshua, uh, it's a really good book. I don't know if you've read it, but it's a dandy book. There's a lot of warfare in Joshua, but I, I need you to understand that when you become a Christian, it's not an easy life. When you become a Christian, you become a warrior because you have enemies. And Joshua took over after Moses, and his job was to take the children of God into the promised land. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a land of abundance. And it's a picture of the fact that Jesus died for you on the cross, not just so you could go to heaven when you die, but that you could have an abundant life in the here and now. And he said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And Jesus, who's Joshua, has the same name as Jesus in the Old Testament, actually Yeshua. And it means the Lord is salvation because he wants to bring you into the fullness of that salvation that he paid for. But see, the problem is, is when they came in to the promised land and they began to look into the promised land, they had enemies in front of them that they were afraid of that were keeping them blocked out from coming into all of the promises of God. And in many ways, you and I have the same exact thing going on in our lives. We have the promises of God available to us, but there are enemies, there are walls that keep us locked out of where God wants us to be. Keeps us locked out of the promises. And so these men came up to the promised land and Joshua is trying to bring them in. Moses has died and they see and they look in and they're a little bit frightened of these enemies in front of them. And so he says, look boys, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send two spies in. You guys go check out the land, see what the enemies looks like, see what the land looks like, see if it's any good. Let's figure out what we're going to do. Let's get a game plan together. Now what's interesting is when those two spies went in, they came to actually a prostitute that was living in the wall in a place called Jericho. And Jericho at that time was the most wicked city in all of Canaan. And she was a prostitute living in the wall. And they figured, well, you know, there's men going into this woman's house all the time. They won't notice if we go in. And so they go in and they're talking to this woman. And here's, here, I want you to put those scriptures up there. Here's what he says. She, the men come to her. And Rahab, this prostitute who's living in the wall in Jericho, says, I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God... He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, here's what's awesome about this woman is they come in and she doesn't know their God. The only thing she knows is that she's heard about their God. She's heard testimonies, amen? She's heard testimonies. And what they come to find out, now these two men are scared to death of their enemies in here, but when they go in and they confront their enemies, what do their enemies say? Their enemies say, look, we're scared to death of you. And one of the first things that you need to understand is that as a Christian, you've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. And I'm telling you, we, are, we live a lot of our lives afraid of what God is calling us to do and afraid of what might overcome us or afraid of what might overtake us. But she's re revealing something to us that you need to understand that you should not be afraid of the enemy that is afraid of you. 
I'm saying when we come in here and we begin to worship and praise, just like the song says, darkness begins to tremble because he understands the power that is on the inside of you. You got resurrection life on the inside of you. And if you knew how afraid the devil was of you, your fear would begin to move a little bit. It would begin to change. Your, your, your perspective would change. And she said, look, our hearts are melting at what's going on. And she begins to, she begins to talk to him. And she said, now we've heard, we've heard how he split the Red Sea. How he brought you out and delivered you from bondage and delivered you from slavery. See, and, and, and you and I, we've heard testimonies, haven't we? I know people in this place that lived in addiction, that lived in bondage, that lived in fear for all of their life. And God set them free. I know people that were sick and God healed them. I know I got testimony after testimony of God transforming people's lives. And we hear those things, and just like her, see, when we hear those things, all of a sudden our faith begins to arise, doesn't it? And she made a proclamation. She made a declaration of faith. She did what the people that are getting baptized here tonight did. She said, look, I heard about the Lord. I heard about what He did. And maybe I don't know Him yet, but I'm willing to declare right now as a leap of faith that He is God in heaven and He's God in the earth because I've heard about what He's done. Maybe He's not done it for me yet, but I've heard and I've got faith and that's enough. See, God's trying to bring you into a place of faith where you begin to believe Him for something that you've not believed Him for yet. So she comes into this place and she says, look, I'm, I'm, I, I believe you. And I like this because Rahab becomes a believer. And here's what's so awesome about Rahab. Just like I said, now she's a prostitute. And in our minds as Christian people, we think, well, the Lord don't like prostitutes. Praise God. You know, and then that makes you want to go into a holiness sermon right quick, right? And, and, and we understand that. that That's not a good thing. But I got to be honest with you. Ain't none of us in here been good in our past. Before Jesus, there wasn't one of us good. We are Rahab. We live in those walls. And she's up there and she's living as a prostitute. And here's what I love about Rahab is whenever she finally comes out and they do come out and defeat the enemies, Rahab ends up marrying an Israelite and she has a son named Boaz. And Boaz has a son named Jesse. And Jesse has a son named David. And 14 generations after David, there's a man named Jesus Christ that comes into the world. Now Jesus Christ... That's awesome. And if you read in the book of Matthew, guess what? You got Rahab listed right there in Jesus' genealogy. That means that Jesus, Christ our Lord, his great, 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 great grandmother was a prostitute that lived in the wall of the most wicked city in Canaan in her time. That's amazing to me because you know what that lets me know? That lets me know that God does not care about your past. He cares about your faith. He doesn't care about what path you used to walk or how messed up you used to be. He cares about whether or not you're going to believe Him right now in the here and now. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works lest any man should boast. We're not saved because we had a good past. We're saved because we believe in the one who's going to save us from our past. That's what, that's what it's about. Now, now she, she believes and she makes this confession. Go to the next couple of verses there. And she says, now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord since I've shown you kindness that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. Notice that true token word. She said, I, you ever been in a, in a position where you're like, Lord, I just need a sign, man. I need you to give me a sign. I'm going to give you a sign here tonight. That's what she asked for. And she said, I want you to show me kindness. And here's what I love is this word kindness in the Old Testament is actually the word that we would, we would translate grace in the New Testament because she knew that she didn't deserve anything she was about to get. 
But she's saying, would you show me grace? See, the scripture says that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And of his abundance, we've all received grace upon grace, undeserved favor that he wants to lavishly pour out on us. He says, I know you don't deserve it, but I want to give it to you anyway. That's what grace is. She says, will you show me this grace? And then she says, and would you spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death? Let me tell you something. God doesn't just want to deliver you. He wants to deliver your entire family. And, and whatever the devil says, well, maybe he'll get you. Maybe the devil will get you. Maybe God will deliver you, but, but no, nah, he ain't going to deliver the rest of you. No, God wants to deliver your entire family. And she says, I need a true token. I need you all to give me a sign and a true token. Now, I'm going to do something weird here, but, but it, you'll, you, you'll enjoy it, I think, because this word true token is very interesting. You put that word up there. Here's the Hebrew word, and if you don't know Hebrew, it reads from right to left. But every letter in Hebrew is a word picture. And she says, give me a true token. And this word for token is Aleph Vav Tav. And Aleph is a sacrifice or an ox. The Vav is a nail. And the Tav is a symbol of a cross. She's saying, give me a token. And in the very word, she's saying that token, that sign that this grace is coming is a sacrifice that is nailed to the cross. You see that? She's saying, give me a sign. And I, here's, what I, here's what I want you to understand. Is the sign... So you're saying, man, Lord, give me a sign, give me a sign. I'm telling you right now that God gave you a sign 2,000 and some years ago. When his arms were spread on that cross, when he was beaten in his body, the scripture says that by his stripes you were healed. That was the sign, that was the token. When he bled and that blood began to pour out of his body, that blood was, was shed for your sins and for your forgiveness and for your redemption and for your restoration. He says, you want to know for a fact that you're going to be delivered, that you're going to be healed, that you're going to be set free? The token, the sign that you need to focus on is that sacrifice that was nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago because that is why the grace is going to be poured out to you. He says, give me that sign. Let me see that. And so... They go on a little bit further, and in the next scriptures it says, it says, so the men said to her, look, we will be blameless of this oath of yours which you've made us swear, unless when you come into the land, when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. So he's saying, look, you need to make sure that you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window so that when we come we know where you're at that you can be protected and here's what I want you to understand is that the blood of Jesus protects you it covers you but you have to make a stand and, and put that blood of Jesus out on the front see that that scarlet cord represents the blood of Jesus it's signifying like I'm a child of God and all the promises of God are mine and I'm putting it outside so that everyone knows that I'm a bought a blood-bought, born-again Christian and I know Jesus Christ and I know that He's got me protected, that He is my salvation, He's my wisdom, He's my redemption, He's my everything and she puts it out front. See, Isaiah 1.18 says, though your sins be like scarlet, they're going to be as white as snow. The Bible says that we overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and because we loved not our lives unto the death. Now, what is so awesome about Rahab is when she put that scarlet cord out there, she knew one thing. She knew that her old way of life, the wall that she lived in, and everything of her past was about to be completely torn down. And that's why she became a hero of faith. Because you think, well, this is easy for Rahab. 
It's not easy for Rahab to give up her entire life, to give up everything she's known, to let every wall that she's built up come down. But let me tell you something. We all have walls that we don't really want torn down. We want to hang on to those walls. And in those walls are things like bitterness. In, in those walls are thing like, things like regret and anger and shame and depression and addiction. And we got these walls built up. And Jesus is saying, I want to come in and I want to tear down those walls. But you have to make a decision whether or not you're going to put the scarlet cord out front and you got to decide whether or not you're willing to allow everything to be torn down. Are you willing to allow Jesus to come in and tear down everything and make you a new creation? Because when you become a Christian, you're not just becoming a better version of you. The old man is being put to death and he's raising you in newness of life. And he seeks to tear down every wall that you've built of a false image of God, of a false image of yourself about your future and about who you are supposed to be. He says, I want to tear all that down because none of that is true any longer. You're a new creation. He wants to wash you. He wants to make you clean. And he's saying, how willing are you to put that scarlet cord out there and say, I'm ready, God. I'm ready for you to tear everything down in my life that is not of you. That's a leap of faith, isn't it? Because we want to hold on to a lot of it. Maybe that's one of the most challenging things that we experience. But she was ready to do that, and that's why she became a hero of faith. And here's what I love, and we're getting ready to go back into worship. But here's what I love, because they spend some chapters preparing and Rahab's waiting on them to come in. And when they finally get around the walls of Jericho, it says by this time there have been some rumors spread and they, they're like, well, you know what? The Israelites are out here. Let's shut the walls up. Don't let anybody in. Don't let anybody out. Because that's what we do. We shut the walls up. Man, when God starts getting close, we get defensive. I'm not sure if I want him in here or not. It's, that's why it's difficult for us to get involved in church sometimes when people have a difficulty getting involved in church. Why? Because they don't want people to get on the inside and really find out who they really are. And God's saying, I need, to, I need you to let those walls down. But see, they wouldn't let them down. They shut it up, and God says to them, here's what you're going to do, fellas. You're going to get the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolizes the presence of God. You're going to get the priests, and you're going to get some trumpets, and you're going to start walking around these walls. You're going to start walking around these walls. He said, for six days, you're just going to walk around at once. He said, don't open your mouth. Just keep walking around these walls. It's going to be really weird. Let me ask you something. Has God ever asked you to do something weird? We come to church and sometimes people that, that are of a carnal mindset think, what are these people doing shouting and screaming and singing praise and lifting their hands? That's so weird. Let me tell you something. In the kingdom of God, sometimes it's weird things that bring a breakthrough. Sometimes it's those weird, strange things that don't make any sense to you that bring a breakthrough. He says, this is weird, Lord. We're walking around the wall for six days with trumpets, ram's horns. This don't make no sense. It don't have to make sense. Because the God we serve is a supernatural God. He does things differently than what, what's of our mind. And on the seventh day, he said, I want you to go around on the seventh day. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. And then you're going to blow the trumpets. And when I say, he said, you are going to shout. He says, you're going to lift up a shout for surely I have given you the city. I believe right now today that God is going to give some people some things that they didn't realize. He's going to give you some freedom that you've not had. He's going to give you some peace that you've not had. He's going to give you some deliverance that you've not had. Amen. Listen, I want you to stand to your feet. Because I believe, here's what I believe. We're going to worship for about three more songs before we go into the baptism. And here's what I want you to understand. Is that there's a type of praise that is a Jericho type of praise. And it's an expectant praise, just like Forrest was talking about. It's a praise 
that you believe that, that listen, there's some things, and you know it as well as I do, there are some things that we cannot change. There's some things that we cannot change. But the scripture reveals that when we believe God and we give God praise, all of a sudden something happens. And see, when they lifted up a shout to God, those walls came tumbling down flat because they were obedient in their praise. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And, and Justin's going to lead us in worship. They're going to lead us back into worship. But we're going to begin to move around here and we're going to enter back into worship. And here's what, I want, I want some of our prayer team to just come up here just in case. And we're not putting any pressure on anybody. You can stay right where you're at if you want to. But if you will, I want you to gather back around this altar. I want us to worship together. And I want us to enter into some expectant praise, believing that as we worship and as we sing with one voice and as we lift up our voice to the Lord and as we begin to shout to the Lord, that walls are going to start tumbling down. And listen, if you need prayer for anything... Reach out to us. I'll, I'll pray with you. Forrest will pray with you. Donald, some of these women over here, throw a hand up, women. You, you women that pray. Over here, these women would love to pray with you. If you need prayer, just, just begin to move toward them. and they'll, You guys move toward them. They'll put their hands up over here. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. Amen? So listen, let's lift our hands to him one more time. We're going to go back into worship. Father, we just thank you once again. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. And right now we just plead the blood of Jesus over every life in this room. And we believe that you're bringing freedom, you're bringing restoration, you're bringing transformation, God. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, because, God, we can't do it, but you're able to do it. It's only by your Spirit. It's not by power or by might, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord that, God, this transformation is coming. And so, Lord, we lift up our voices and we worship you in this moment. And we believe, God, that you're tearing down walls. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.